0: Aloha, North Kohala. It's Holly Allgood with Tutu's Talk Story here on KNKR LP 96.1 FM Kohala. You're listening to Tutu's Talk Story and my very special guest today is Bree Peters. Bree is a longtime resident of the Hawaiian Islands and she has a, a pretty substantial background in the theater. So without any further ado, let's welcome Bree. <laughs> Bree, welcome to Tutu's Talk Story. And well, first of all, tell us, where were you born and raised? Born and raised on the island of Oahu and um,
1: spent my most of my life there up until about two and a half years ago when we moved to Waimea.
0: So what was Oahu like growing up?
1: Wow, it was so different back then, so very different. Uh, it kind of hurts my heart actually. Lately, there's been So much going on over there, crime and crazy kind of crime that you never saw in Hawaii years ago. I I feel blessed to have grown up at a much more innocent time.
0: So less crime, probably less people?
1: Way less people, way less traffic. Pull up and park, you know, on the street anywhere you're going. Now, you know, go to Waikiki, and it's $35 to park your car. So a lot of changes. Um, I grew up in the theater as a child there, and I've seen a lot of changes in theater there as well.
0: So when you say you grew up in the theater there, can you say more about what that means?
1: Sure. I actually remember the very first role I ever played was Piglet in Winnie the Pooh. And um, I had the joy of actually reprising that role again when I was in my, I'd say it was probably my mid-30s. I was working professionally for Honolulu Theater for Youth on Oahu. And um, they did whip, they did Winnie the Pooh and I played Piglet again, which was pretty hilarious. But I grew up um, in the theater there. Back then, Diamond Head Theater was Honolulu Community Theater. I did many, many shows, both on stage and backstage there, and uh, went away to college, came back, and got a job as a drama specialist for the city and county, so I had a, my own company of teenage actors um, that would come after school three days a week, and we put on four touring productions that toured various libraries there.
0: Well, it sounds like you got into drama as a child. I did. How did that happen? <clears throat>
1: I just always knew I wanted to do it. I had an imagination. I loved to pretend I was someone else, somewhere else, doing something else. So I think that's why.
0: So did your parents get uh, get you into this, or did you kind of push them to get you in?
1: I'd say it was both. I knew I wanted to do it. My mother was extremely supportive. My mother danced the ballet when she was young at Hawaii Theater, on the Hawaii Theater stage. So she enjoyed performance as well. My father, um, he was an actor. He was on a number of the old Hawaii Five O's. In fact, he had a recurring role. And uh, I think he even did a magnum before he passed away.
0: So when you say you grew up in the theater, it was really you had a theater family. I wouldn't
1: fully call it a theater family. I know a lot of other theater families where both parents are actors. They are in many shows. You know, the kids are always... My family was more diverse than that, but my father was an actor. And he loved Shakespeare, and he had a Shakespearean society when he was at UH. And he was far more involved than my mother, but my mother was extremely supportive. She didn't drive, so she put me on the bus and take me to rehearsals and sit there through the whole thing and we'd catch the bus back home afterwards.
0: At what age (sighs) did you start acting?
1: Well I mean I I mean I can literally remember you know some kindergarten play that we did about the circus so if you really want to talk about it I guess it was then but but my first what I thought was my first really big show was when Diamond Head Theatre, then Honolulu Community Theatre, I auditioned for something. I was 12, I believe. I'd been taking classes there for a couple years. There was finally a play with a young girl, in it. I auditioned. I got double cast and, um, and in fact, was fortunate enough to go on tour with it. And we came on tour to Kona, which I remember very well because Uh we were performing outdoors, Mm -hmm. which is a
0: challenge. Yes. So it it sounds like it was pretty all-encompassing, but are there any other things you remember being a child doing in Oahu that maybe you wouldn't be doing today?
1: Um not specifically. You mean are you, are you referring to in the theater or just in, in general? Just
0: in general. Uh, so oh. many people have said how Oahu Oahu has changed. So yes. that's I was trying I to see. capture a feel for
1: Oh yeah, I mean I would walk to my friends' houses in the early morning or even as it was getting dark, something if I were a mother with a child now, I would never allow my kid to do, I wouldn't do it. And it was not particularly close, I'm not going to say it was miles away, but it was definitely a number of blocks. Um, Took the bus to and from school by myself, starting at about age 10 or 11, things that I don't know, I wouldn't be comfortable letting kids do now. There's just too much crazy out there.
0: And you say you went to college, how did you decide to go to college? Uh, I'm always interested in that question, if it was assumed that through your family or some other factor drove you to college. I
1: I think it was assumed in my family that I was, I can't imagine uh, telling my father Oh, I don't think I'll go to college. I don't think that would have flown at all.
0: He was a college graduate.
1: <laughs> yes, as was my mother, and he believed in higher education. In fact, he was a very smart man, very educated. Up until he died at, I think it was age eighty-six, he knew seven languages. Mm. He was still going to college as an old man. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's. So it was definitely. But I wanted to go to college.
0: Part of the family expectation, and you wanted to go. And you say you left uh, Honolulu to go to school? I went away to the University of Puget
1: Sound, and then when I came back, I had this uh, offer to have this company of teenage actors. So I decided to go to UH and work at the same time, Mm -hmm. because why not? (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. And how, uh, tell us about that.
1: It was in the basement of a library, um, a community library there in, in, in Makiki, Makiki Library. It's still in existence, I do believe, and downstairs um, was a big open room. And um, there was funding back in that time period called CETA funds, I can't C E C-E-T-A, which I can't remember exactly what that stands for anymore. But a lot of CETA funds were able to go towards artists and the arts in employing people, putting them to work. That was the whole idea. And so I was approached by a group that did Shakespeare in the Park in the summertime called Hawaii Theater Festival. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was extremely successful back then. They wanted a a kid's program and they pretty much just offered it to me.
0: So did you get a theater degree or what
1: did you graduate with? I actually never finished my degree, and that's because I kept getting, after I got that job with a children's, running a children's program, um, I never needed to go back. I kept getting job after job, and I always thought I would go back, but the truth is I really learned everything by doing it. That's how you really learn it, even how to behave backstage, how to learn your lines, how to produce, how to direct. I, I've taken you know, lots of study in it, but the truth is you really learn it by doing it and being out there with people doing it.
0: Well, and how lucky you are because so many people struggle to get paying jobs in that field, and it sounds like it just landed in your lap. I would say I worked hard
1: for it, but yes, it also landed in my lap. I just kept getting jobs, and then um, job after job, and they got better and better. Mm-hmm. So I f- was always extremely fortunate to have a professional theater career in Hawaii, which I will agree not too many people have been lucky enough to have.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what was it like working with teenagers? What were the highs and the lows? Uh,
1: well, the lows are, you know, that they can be wild and <laughs> unfocused, but, um, you know, when you're teaching. Theater to students, it's so important to teach them how to focus. There's many, many things, you know, the instrument is their voice, their body, their imagination, but focus is a huge part of it. So, by the time we, you know, we ended, um, I, I had a really strong company of teenage actors. They were very good and and knew the value of what they were getting. Since I was paid by the city and county through the of Fund program, it was free and students came from all over the island. Well, that's so that great. was cool. So
0: it sounds like it was a popular program.
1: It was. In fact, when the CETA funding ran out, the kids all oh, talked to their parents and had their parents send letters to the city and
0: county and they extended it for another six months. Nice. So that was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. So after you did that, what was the next step you took?
1: Uh, I worked a lot in a lot of different jobs at that point. I was doing props for the opera. I was working backstage, although that was for free, at um, Honolulu Community Theater. I was doing shows at school. I was doing shows at HTY. And then eventually, um, I started working at Manoa Valley Theater. And the very first job I had there was selling concessions at night, I made the punch and sold it, and sold the cookies, and um, that was just set, a table set up outside, that's all there was. There, wasn't a, there was a refrigerator in the backstage somewhere, and I'd get the punch out of there. And I ended up, when I finally left, um, I had a very lengthy career there, nearly 40 years. Um, when I left, I um, spent most of my life there.
0: Wow! So can you tell us a little bit about your career progression after the Punch sure. and Cookies? Yeah,
1: sure. Then I started doing uh, house management and box office ticket sales at night.
0: Can you can you tell our listeners what house management means? Sure. I think a lot of people don't have a clue what theater house management is.
1: Theater's so interesting because it has so many terms that are used for so many other things. So sh- that makes complete sense. A house manager is that person that um, if you have a problem with your ticket, or um, you feel ill and you need a cab called for you, she's making sure that everybody is seated and safe in the theater, and then she lets the stage manager who's handling the backstage areas, um, so she's handling everything that we call front of house. And so they communicate with each other when it's time to start the show, when it's time to end intermission, that sort of thing. So I started with that kind of a job. It was a part-time job there.
0: Probably a very important role.
1: It's an important role. Um, it was certainly a bigger role than, than you know, part-time ticket seller mm-hmm. um, or running the concessions <laughs> table. Right. So, mm-hmm. And then from there, I became the production manager. And then from there, I became...
0: So what does that mean? The what does a production manager it's,
1: do? It's sort of a lower version of a producer, mm-hmm. which I did eventually become. But mm-hmm. production manager, you know, every theater operates differently. Mm-hmm. So it's tricky to say what everybody does. But in my theater, it was working with the designers, making sure that everybody is on the same page about how we're going to move forward in building the set, keeping things on budget, um, keeping things on schedule, and then I became the producer, associate producer, for many, many, many
0: years. And what's the difference?
1: The associate producer has a lot more responsibility. I had more artistic responsibility. Um, Although I wasn't being called the artistic director, the world there thought I was the artistic director because I would make a lot of artistic decisions um, and
0: what does that mean? For, again, for those of us who are not so involved in the theater, what does it mean to make an artistic decision for a theater? <laughs> okay, so
1: for instance,
0: um, if you're going to do
1: a really complicated show, technically, um, say it's Peter Pan. You know, what are the, the, Peter Pan has a lot of special effects in it. So what are the special effects that we can afford with our budget that we know our people can make happen really well so they look good and professional and clean? What I never wanted to do was put time and energy or money into something that was basically going to look rookie. I always tried to run the company so that the productions were the highest caliber with the highest people doing their highest
0: work. You are listening to Brie Peters here on Tutu's Talk Story. I'm your host, Holly Allgood, and we're going to take a station break, but stay tuned. Mi Ranchito, Mexican Restaurant in cooperation with the artist Co-op host a special art opening Saturday February 8th from 4 to 8 p.m. in Javitown. The artists will be there singing, dancing, and talking story. Their creations reflect the beauty of the islands and how it feels to live here. poo and music round out the opening of this ongoing exhibit. We look forward to meeting you and your friends Saturday, February 8th, 4 to 8 p.m., for an evening of island hospitality. For more information, call 464 4671.
2: This is Isla Allgood of Women's Voices. Tune in on Monday and Wednesday from 4 till 6 p.m. to listen to women from around the world, around Hawaii, songs with positive and empowering messages on KNKRLP 96.1 FM Monday and Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. Your bones are
3: the trees in the forest.
0: Aloha, North Koala. It's Holly Allgood back with Tutu's Talk Story. And hey, I want to remind everyone that the opinions, beliefs, and views of the hosts and my guests do not necessarily reflect those of KNK or their affiliates. Also, since we have a theater expert today, I want to... Oh, Up, I was going to invite you to call in, but I'm just <laughs> realizing <laughs> that we're not going to be doing this show live. So, the show is pre-recorded. If you have any questions, at the end, we'll give you a way to contact Bree if you want to know more about the theater. So my special guest today is Brie Peters. We've been talking about her very extensive <clears throat> career in the theater. She's helping us understand some of the theater terms that many of us see. And you were telling us about being an associate producer. Tell us, what did you do after that?
1: Uh, well, that... I spent many many years as the associate producer and it has a lot more responsibility behind it as well not just making artistic decisions but creating the budgets making you know more executive decisions eventually I became the artistic director there which was very nice. I knew that company back when it was called HPAC. It wasn't called Manoa Valley Theatre. HPAC stood for Hawaii Performing Arts Company and I had many many friends there. If you've never been to that theatre and you're on Oahu, it's kind of interesting because it's in a graveyard. (laughs) And uh, it was an old church and then it became sort of an old school and then it became a theatre. And that building is gone now, but they built a a new building. But anyway, as the artistic director, that's a completely different job where uh, I was still doing my producer um, part of it because, as I said earlier, everybody thought I was the artistic director anyway because I was making those kinds of decisions. But on top of that, it has... A lot of work goes into looking at the kind of shows you're going to put together to create a season that will be interesting and, you know, hopefully um, fits what your mission is that you've set out to do. So there's a whole other level of work on top of being a producer if you're a director or a director-producer.
0: So I have a question for Mm -hmm. the producers. I I think that's one thing many of us always wonder. How do they decide what shows they're going to bring to a theater? And, you know, how maybe it seems like there's a lot of old shows, and maybe some aren't relevant, or they make them more relevant. How do you decide? You mentioned the mission. Do theaters have missions?
1: They have mission statements. They absolutely
0: do, yeah. Um, and So, So could you possibly contrast what one theater might be doing, but another is in another direction?
1: Yes, that has a lot to do with how they choose their season. So for instance, Diamond Head Theater, they have a huge school program, and it's a very good one. And they um, do a lot of shows like Sounded Music um, or Legally Blonde, where a lot of younger people can be in, in those shows. And they do that because the school, I believe they do that, because the school supports the theater. And, you know, especially these days where everybody wants to be famous and be on stage or be in the film, films or in a band, um, you know, everybody's going to take, all these kids are going to take classes and their parents are going to support that. And so it's a great way to support your company if you have an educational program. Uh, Manoa Valley Theater did not have an educational program, really. We did at one point in time and then the, the space was lost and it never really redeveloped. Um, So they had to rely more on making sure their shows were really going to sell and sell well in order to put the money back into the coffer. Every, you know, every show pays for the next one pretty much.
0: Okay, so that sounds like an awesome responsibility, but it must be a lot of fun as well.
1: Absolutely, the best fun in the world. I mean, theater is a collaborative art and for me, that just makes it such a joy. When you are working with a really great team of people and a great team of artists, great set designers who have creative ideas, and you know, right down to the hair and makeup people and the prop designers, everybody has to buy into the director's concept and ideas in order to make sure that what they're creating works with the whole. And um, the collaborative nature of it is something I just have always loved.
0: So who is the orchestra leader? (laughs) Do you mean mean literally? I don't mean literally because I know you probably have orchestras. (laughs) We do. (laughs) We're in the theater. But it sounds like one of the things I wasn't... uh, realizing is how you're saying all these parts have to come together. They do. So is that the pro- the producer who does that? Or?
1: Well, at Manoa Valley Theater, um, because I was the producer and at the time there wasn't an artistic director, um, we worked as a group to pick a season, and there was a play reading committee. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, Usually in that case it would be the producer because the director was a guest director in our home basically.
0: So how does that in work? What does that mean? Well, that
1: means that we pay a fee and a guest director and we, you know, interview directors to find who matches what shows and who will do a good job with any particular project and then they're hired and then I would meet with that director to discuss Um, what the theater has in mind in in terms of producing the show. So for instance, we did cabaret one year. We wanted to do it um, in an environmental setting. So we took down all the risers and the chairs, and we put in cocktail tables and chairs, and we made the inside of the theater the inside of the cabaret. So you really felt like you were in the environment of it. So if the theater wants to produce it that way, we need to find people who understand that that's what we're going to do and have to be able to have the imagination and creativity to buy into that and make it
0: work. So uh, you first decide what shows you're going to put on, and then you find directors, guest directors for Correct. The... Is that what most theaters do? Do they mostly bring in guest directors? Um, Well, many theaters have
1: artistic directors. Artistic directors wouldn't direct the whole season usually, though. The typical situation is you have um, an executive director who handles the business side and an artistic director, and they are equal partners. That is what usually happens. And um, they make decisions together, both of them, equally. There is no power one over the other, and they go to a, a board of directors if they have, you know, things they need to discuss. but um, and then yeah, I would say that is how it normally is. Mm-hmm. you know, because as a guest director would maybe you know a season of six plays, a guest director might do anywhere from two to four of them. Very, very few guest directors direct all six would would direct all six productions. It's not good for your company. It's better to have, you know, because it's a collaborative art, it's better to have new input and new
0: people and new creative ideas and other, you know, perspectives. So I know you mentioned these were community theaters. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? What makes it a community theater? Because you hear some theaters have that right in their name and some theaters don't. Right. The true difference? Paychecks. Okay. (laughs) That's the difference. So Mm
1: -hmm. although, um, for instance, Manoa Valley Theater was a – community theater, it did have a paid professional staff. Mm-hmm. And so as one of those people, that's why I, I always tried to you know, perform professionally. And I don't mean on stage. I mean, as a producer, I tried to institutionalize how it ran so everybody could, would know what, what to expect, what when to expect it, and make it really easy. If you do one show with us, then you know how it works for every show.
0: So when you say it has a paid staff mm-hmm. and that the difference is paychecks, does it have a paid staff but not paid actors? Correct. Okay. Where a theater that doesn't say community theater, perhaps they're paying the actors. Yes, it's possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, many theaters have, over these years, have dropped the name community, has a, you know, a negative rookie sort of, you know, we won't know what we're doing and it won't be any good mm-hmm. um, Name, mm-hmm. you know, so people have Honolulu Community Theater, it's now Diamond Head Theater.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and typically, are the productions more expensive as a ticket holder if you're going to see uh, one that's not a community theater versus yes. a community theater?
1: Yes, for, so for instance, if you go to see something that is touring and it's in Hawaii Theater, most likely your ticket price is probably going to be 35 to maybe $55 or maybe even more than that, um, depending upon what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder for community theaters, which basically all of, that's all we have in Hawaii except for, well, at least on Oahu. Honolulu, I mean, uh, hon- yeah, Honolulu Theater for Youth is the only paid professional company mm-hmm. on, in, on the island that everybody is paid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Actors, it's a real job for them.
0: Okay. So you've been in this business for quite some time. It seems like when people go into it, they stay there. Is that your experience?
1: You know, not everybody stays there, um, especially in community theater, because a lot of people have real jobs. You Mm -hmm. know, Mm a lot of lawyers are in theater, Mm -hmm. um, which is sort of interesting. Why
0: do you think theaters attract lawyers? (laughs) I think we know the answer to that. Okay. Uh, but,
1: you know, there's a lot of really fine
0: uh, actors who mm-hmm. were lawyers or, or still are lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's funny. So back to you. So you were there for how long? Nearly 40 years. Nearly 40 mm-hmm. years. And it sounds like you really had most of the jobs in the, in the theater.
1: I'd say that's probably
0: also true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you've come. We're very happy you've come to join us on the Big Island I love the Big Island, Mm -hmm. I love, I love, I live in Waimea,
1: I love Mm -hmm. Waimea, it's Mm -hmm. just the perfect little community for me.
0: So have you been coming to the Big Island for a long time?
1: I have uh, cousins that have a a vacation home in Waimea, so I'd been going to Waimea, and I'd I'd been to Waimea also, um, and the Big Island, well actually all the Outer Islands, on tour with Honolulu Theatre for youth when I was younger, Mm -hmm. working for them, so. I don't I don't really know the Big Island as well as I'd like to, but I and I mm-hmm. hope to, mm-hmm. but um, I had been to Kahilu Theater before. I've been to Waimea. I've been mm-hmm. to Javi. I've mm-hmm. been to a lot of different locations, Kona and mm-hmm.
0: Hilo. And so you're now here permanently, or at least? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I and think it's
1: permanent. I don't think we're leaving.
0: Yes. And uh, what are you doing here?
1: Well... I moved here about two and a half years ago, and I started a little nonprofit called Hawaii Art Space. And basically, we create original, unusual, creative projects. Mm-hmm. I don't have my own space, so that's one of the reasons why I knew I had to do something along that line where I can use other people's spaces, rent them, mm-hmm. or borrow them, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, right now we are doing a Reader's Theater series, uh, season of four that we do, um, this is the second year at Kahilu Theater, and we're doing it in association with Kahilu Theater. It's called A.O.L.E.L.O., which means to speak, and um, the next play up in our series is on February 28th at Kahilu Theater. And it's in their small little Mike loose studio. So it's a nice intimate space. Um, we've Our audiences have been growing. So right now it's only on one night. I don't know what might happen in the future. I know the last time we had to add three rows of chairs. So that was kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. I have wonderful actors. The plays are all original. And they're all um, locally written. Um, the next one up is written on Oahu, but... Uh, th- after this season, in fact, coming up shortly, very soon, it'll be on my website. We're going to be doing a hunt
0: for local scripts on this island. So I'm gonna stop you there. We're gonna take a station break and do some public service announcements. Please stay tuned to hear what Bree Peters is doing here in conjunction with Kahilo Theater.
2: The ninth annual Willy Willy Festival is scheduled for Saturday, February 8th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. The event features informational booths, activities, workshops, talks, and tours of the Waikaloa Dryland Forest. There will be food vendors, cakey activities, and a silent auction. That's Saturday, February 8th at the Waikaloa Stables. For more information, call 494-2208 or go to Waikaloa Dry Forest. Org.
1: Aloha, Jeffrey Coakley here, and the host of the live talk show Kuka Kuka with Kalani. That's my middle name. Our guests and topics range from A to Z,
2: speaking on a variety of subjects pertinent to our Koala community. To find out more about what the topic will be, go to my Facebook page, Kuka Kuka Talk Story with Kalani, or knkr.org. I'd like
1: to extend a presser invitation to you to be a guest speaker or just listen in. That's every Thursday at 7 p.m. with an encore presentation on Mondays from 9 to 10 p.m. Mahalo for tuning in.
0: Aloha, North Kohala. It's Holly Allgood. I'm your host for Tutu's Talk Story, and we're listening today to our very special guest, Bree Peters. She has had a very long career in the theater, and she's being gracious enough to share with us today a lot of information about what it's like to work in the theater. And and she has a special project she's telling us about. So you started telling us about your new nonprofit art space tell us a little more.
1: Yeah, Hawaii Art Space. We're working uh, in conjunction with Kahilu Theater to produce a Reader's Theater um, series of plays that happen every year.
0: So what does that mean, a Reader's Series?
1: Reader's Theater is very, very different from regular theater in that it still involves actors and hopefully really good ones. But instead of moving about the stage in full costume with lights and scenery, they stand at music stands or podiums and, um, and they read the play out loud to the audience, including there's always someone that reads all the stage directions so that you understand parts of the play that would normally only be visual.
0: Sounds like a good radio show.
1: Yeah, actually. <laughs>
0: we'll have to talk about that later. We will.
1: Actually, there's a fabulous Christmas radio show that's, it's 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 a play, but it's like an old-fashioned radio show. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. It's really fun.
0: Well, we're always looking for new programming here at KNKR. <laughs>
1: oh, good. Well, yes, let's talk about that later. But yeah, so... Um, The next one uh, coming up is uh, a play called I Hula by a young man on Oahu. But as I said earlier, we're going to be doing a search uh, pretty soon here for local playwrights to submit. You can find that information on the Hawaii Art Space um, uh, homepage, which is www.hawaiiartspace.com. And um, there's information about Aolelo there if you're interested in submitting scripts or being involved as an actor or volunteering in some other way. Um,
0: Well, we'll make sure we have you repeat that information before the end of the show. Uh, What I'm curious about now is how did you come up with this idea?
1: Um, Because theater has literally been my whole life, (laughs) I... As much as I love being here, I just wasn't ready to stop doing it. And I actually had um, applied for a position at Kahilu Theater as their artistic director, and um, they they had taken an intermission where they were closed down for a year, kind of remapping what they were going to be doing. And I applied for that job. It was a five-month long art search across the entire nation. And um, it came down to me and the guy that got it, who is now a great friend of mine, Chuck Gessert. He's, he's a fabulous leader for that organization, and he's welcomed me in as a, as a friend. And I just really wanted to continue to have a relationship with a the theater, and I wanted to continue producing creative work because I just don't know how to do anything else, really. I do a lot of personal art. I do, you know, some painting and drawing, a little bit of that. I I do a lot of work with um, glass, beach glass, and I make jewelry. I once took uh, some silversmithing classes. But but my true love, because those are sedent, uh, not sedentary, but I'm alone. I, I could do them in a group, I suppose, but I'm doing them by myself. And they're not a co- collaborative art, really. So I just knew I needed to keep doing stuff, and I had a million... Uh, Unusual different ideas that I thought could work in a situation where I didn't have my own space. So I have a really interesting project that um, it's I'm not ready to talk too much about, but it's called Aloha Spirits. And I'm hopefully I can t- tell you more about it. Maybe you'll have me back one day. I can talk about that project. That's going to be it's a it's a living history project, but there's a lot more to it than just that.
0: So, uh, have you had any of these? Has this already begun? Aolelo. Yes.
1: Yes. Aolelo happened last season at Kahilu, and this season and the next one on February 28th called I Hula is um, a really great story about Akumu Hula and her young students. She and four of these young girls that are pretty good friends. One of them is her granddaughter. And I don't want to give too much away about it, um, but... There is a family issue and the mother has been on the mainland for many years and not connected at all to the Kumu, her mother or her child. So the Kumu pretty much raises the child. The girl has a lot of um, issues. She She fights against a lot of things that the Halal represents and then something happens and she's now the Kumu. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of humor and there's a lot of pathos and there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of tears, but it's a great play about these relationships among these people, because it's a readers theater p- piece. There's a lot of hula and oli enchanting melee in the play, and um, because we're not doing the full thing, we're going to do sort of a stylized piece where you can still sort of hear a piece of the music and know what that what was about to happen but we won't be doing all the the actual hula
0: now you say since it's being read would we go what what can the audience expect are are you going to see one person on the stage you're going to see multiple people visually what would you experience
1: well you will walk in and in this case you will see seven music stands, probably up on a platform. The audience are in rows on the floor level. And um, there are seven performers in this particular piece, including um, Jesse, who reads our stage directions,
0: which is
1: extremely important.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now, do people go on and off the stage or when it starts...
1: It's always different. You it's can do reader's different. theater in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people carry their scripts. It really depends on the show. The very first one we did, we had six performers, and it was sort of about three men and three women, so I separated them Um The men were on the back platform higher. The women who were the sort of lesser characters were on one platform down from them. And they just sat in two little rows of three, very simple, and they didn't leave their seats. But that was the nature of that play. And for I, Hula, because um, there is Hula in it and because there are relationships that are going to require them to talk to each other because they're still acting, Um, They're still emoting in every way. They're still just as dramatic. The only thing they're not doing is moving around on a stage, basically.
0: So since this is Tutu's talk story, (laughs) and you bring up the issue of gender, that you had three men and three women, one of the issues that I hear quite frequently, especially people who have had very long careers, and we've talked to people in all kinds of careers, you're our first drama person. (laughs) But I'm curious as to... Did you find it any more difficult because you were a woman instead of a man?
1: Working in the theater, you mean? Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. So do you see, I mean, I know we see a lot of film stars step forward and say, well, there's fewer roles for women, there's fewer juicy roles for women, there's stereotypical roles for women. How about in terms of. roles that are getting paid for at the theater did you find that also to be true
1: well no actors were paid at my theater they got a small stipend but remember Mm -hmm. it was community theater so um, but uh, i've played so i've played some pretty great roles Mm -hmm. i did martha and who's afraid of virginia wolf That was a fantastic role. And Barbara in August Osage County, Mm -hmm. um, Constance in The Constant Wife. So I've had, and I've had a lot of other roles. You know, I've been acting a long time. I haven't been acting too much lately.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious about the staff roles. About the what? The staff positions that you've held. In other words, is it harder for a woman to get to be a producer or a director or an artistic director or... Was that an issue you faced, or it just seems like you kept going up and up and that really wasn't an issue?
1: Well, it's, I think it was an issue because I'd say near the end of my career is finally when I finally started getting more of the attention. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there are challenges for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky. I, I was hard working and hopefully I was talented and that's why it all worked out. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, you know things are certainly not equal yet.
0: Mm-hmm. So besides gender issues, what have been your lessons learned? You know what are your takeaways after this very long uh, career in the theater? <laughs>
1: I'm still taking things away <laughs> okay. but I you know what's interesting about kind of growing up in the theater is that I learned so much about the world not just because for instance a show like Hamilton that's going to you know reiterate history and uh, you know American history and but you know geography math so many plays about things that I might not have even ever known that I learned when I was younger, as I got older, the lessons I learned, I feel were far more um, relevant now to things that matter to me. How to, you know, help people, raise them up with what they're doing, make us all successful working together to create something that's going to be viable and more than viable, hopefully, you know, fantastic. and. Educational and inspiring and enlightening and invigorating, and all of those things.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it, that's something definitely the theater does. And as you say, and I've heard this from our son, who says what draws him to the theater is just this incredible sense of team building and mm-hmm. teamwork and the wonderful feeling of bringing a group of people together and not only maybe uplifting an audience, but pulling off. A wonderful performance.
1: Yes, that is true, and I completely understand why he feels that way.
0: Yeah, sounds like that also is a passion of yours. Absolutely. Yeah. So, tell us more about what you're learning about starting a nonprofit. That's a major endeavor.
1: Oh boy, it really is. Um, well, I've learned a lot more about how to write newsletters and work with um, pay systems and Mailchimp and. Uh, websites and a lot of those things that... I I mean, I'm not doing that all by myself by any stretch. Um, But still, uh, just, you know, that... that Theater has a language of its own. That whole world has another language of its own, too, which I knew very little about.
0: And, and that's more like the communications or marketing world. It's,
1: it is. Or, you know, if you have a website and you're going to sell tickets on it or something, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Well, and that's what I hear from a lot of people that start nonprofits. I see people go into a nonprofit because they have a big passion for something. Mm-hmm. And then they wind up doing having to do marketing or administration and so much of that, that it takes them away from their passion.
1: That can happen. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, um, it's a one-man band. You know, mm-hmm. it's me and um, and wonderful actors that I have found in Waimea. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who wants to come be a part of it from Javi, though, you mm-hmm. know, that'd be swell. Mm-hmm. Or
0: anywhere in North Kohala, in fact, would be mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. So you're really looking for people to join you in this?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, every play has different requirements, so I'm always looking for, you know, a different variety or a different kind of people, and, um, you know, I'm willing to train people. I've got actors, you know, that have been doing work already, but um, that doesn't mean that there isn't room for other people down the road.
0: So we're talking to Bree Peters, and I think we're ready for another station break, Our last one, stay tuned if you wanna hear how to contact Bree and maybe be involved in her exciting new nonprofit.
2: The Hawaii Department of Water Supply's Keiki Water Conservation Poster Contest is open to all Big Island school children enrolled in kindergarten through fifth grade. This free contest aims to highlight the importance of water conservation and why drinking water supplies must be protected and preserved. March 13th, 2020 is the deadline to submit an original artwork illustrating the conserve to preserve theme. For more information, go to the Department of Water Services website, hawaiidws.org or call 961-8050. That's nine six one eight zero five
3: zero. DJ Analisa Remix, Bizayan Budot, <laughs> Tagalog Larawan Kupas, so, and to these hits Lane and Dub. Only here, Be, Be Nice, nice to Every Thursday, 11 to 1 Dito Sa KNKRLP, 96.1 FM Kohalas
0: Okay <laughs> Aloha North Kohala It's Holly Olga here on Tutu's Talk Story And we're back with Brie Peters Who has had a very long and incredible career in the theater. So we're finding a lot out about the theater today. And I'm wondering, Brie, how do you keep your ideas fresh?
1: Well, you know, it's, that's an interesting question. I, I, do, um, I do go to see a lot of theater when I'm traveling. And in fact, go to New York usually about every three years or so and um but you know when you're seeing shows in on broadway you're not always able to do what they're doing on broadway a um, lot of technical things that they've got lots of money for and you don't but that's okay because you you look at what you 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 learn and watch from what you see there and then you figure out how you how you can make something happen um if it's if, if you're doing the same play for instance that you went to see on broadway Um, and you can't afford to do the whole thing because it's too technically challenging. You just have to be creative and sit down and really look at the script and look at your resources and figure out how you could do it and then how that's going to work. A lot of what I do, though, with Hawaii Art Space, I'm not really producing shows that I see elsewhere So I wouldn't be doing Sound of Music or The Elephant Man um, in most cases. My affiliation, um, you know, with Kahilu is to bring original work, you know, and and locally centric work that people are creating here. And I really enjoy doing that with them. Um, It's a great
0: opportunity for me. I'm curious about how you've seen, since you've been in the business so long, how you've seen live theater perhaps change over the last few decades.
1: That's an interesting question because it definitely has, you know. There used to be a time when um, you know white people played black roles or Asian roles. That sort of thing is completely frowned upon now, and that's a really interesting question because you know it it kind of boils down to: so are we going to start like casting doctors or the only people who can play doctors? Because you're an actor. If you're an actor, you should be able to act any kind of role but the political correctness you know has to be in there now because that's who we've become so if you're a black doctor you know you could be a black actor but you can't be a white doctor playing a black actor you you see what I'm saying yes so Mm -hmm. that has changed a great deal and um and it, you know, it's a it's an interesting dichotomy, as I said, because as an actor, you want to be able to play anything. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that has really changed, and people are more in their niches mm-hmm. now. Also, there's, you know, there's often um, like a fight choreographer if there's a fight on stage. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more safety. There's a lot more professionals who handle that now. Mm-hmm. There's also intimacy. Um, coordinators who now come to your theater or work on your film, and they help to work with if you have an intimate scene, Mm -hmm. how to get that done and within people's comfort zones, etc. In the past, you know, I mean, there certainly were times, I'm sure, when, you know, there are scenes, romantic scenes or whatever on stage that may not have gone quite the way they should have and this stuff this these these kinds of um outside you know people that now work with your production help to make the production better and make everyone comfortable in that kind of a situation.
0: What about technology? I know in the movies have certainly changed. Has it impacted live theater as well?
1: It absolutely has. In fact I'm sort of a Uh, like a techie junkie in that way. One of my favorite, favorite things is just seeing what magic we can make on our stage. And the reason I like to go to New York is because they can make way bigger, better magic than we can make here. But it's exciting, you know. I saw King Kong couple years ago. It's not running anymore. It didn't get the best reviews but I'm telling you it was a technological wonder. It was so neat to watch.
0: So tell us a little bit
1: about the special effects. The the puppet itself was like 20 feet. It's huge and it comes down to the front edge of the stage and it leans out over the audience and stuff. Dancers manipulated around the stage And you can see them, you know, they're, they're, they look like an inch next to this gigantic thing. They climb up the back of it and they make the head work and the eyes work. They, they're dancer sort of puppeteers. It was fascinating. So glad I saw it. I wish it was still there. It was unfortunate that it didn't continue on, but it also had, um, moving picture behind it of the ocean and and the platform that raised up like the bow of the ship and you just almost felt seasick part of it but it, mm-hmm. you know, it was really exciting the sorts of things and the creativity and the money behind it that they can do there mm-hmm. but it's still really cool to come back and to go well what could we do here you know mm-hmm. we can't do that mm-hmm. obviously but what could mm-hmm. we do
0: hmm That's so interesting. Well, tell us again how people can reach out to you if they're interested in your new project and wanna be, and tell us what kind of roles you're looking for people. Is it just as actors or do you need volunteers? What do you need?
1: I don't have a whole big range of need right now for volunteers, but I'm sure that at some point I will. So if somebody you know, wants to get involved, they can email me through my website. I'm certainly always looking for actors mm-hmm. um, because I, I will always be doing this Aolelo project at Kahilu Theater every year. And outside of that, I have some other projects that I do on my own. Like Aloha Spirit. So um, it's always good to have a big cache of actors.
0: So tell us again how they, the best way to, that people can reach you if people are out there listening and they would like to be a, an actor in your directory.
1: Sure. Uh, best way is to go to the website, which is www.hawaiiartspace.com. And when you're on the website, you can read about the Aolelo project. That's um, where the one where we're going to be soliciting scripts here starting very soon.
0: And tell us again what performances are upcoming.
1: Uh, there are two more performances this season at Cahilu uh, for Aolelo. The next one is February 28th. It's called I Hula. That's the one that I'll be directing. And then um, there will be another one at the end of the season right before summer can't remember the date off the top of my head, but uh, called Fanny and Bell, And that one is written uh, by Victoria Nuble. She's a scholar and has um, uh, won numerous awards. She's got published plays. Uh, and she's written many scripts. And she's now a resident of Waikiki. And so we're going to do her production of Fanny and Bell.
0: Wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners before we end our show today um nothing in particular although like i said if you're interested in
1: being involved you want to act or or if you're a director i'm always looking for directors as well um or if you just want to see the performance they're always at seven o'clock they're usually on a friday night they'll be on Kahilu's website as well and i'm i know tickets are available at the door
0: Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank You've been you. a terrific guest. I'm so excited that we've brought the field of drama to Tutu's Talk Woo. Story. Yay! Woohoo! <laughs> Thanks again.
1: Thank you, Holly.
0: This is Holly Allgood signing out. And if you know of a Tutu or someone Tutu age that has an exciting project or just has had a very full life that is willing to share it with us, please be in touch. Aloha. <laughs>